Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. So delighted to see you've returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today a curious item. If you'll come over here to this display case, we have a number of various articles of jewelry from antiquity, uh, some vintage but more modern day. But this piece right here is a piece excavated from a site in India a good number of years ago. The age of this piece is indetermined because while this is a very ornate piece of jewelry, this bangle has some very interesting things inscribed into it. And of course, with some of our arcane testing here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, this piece emanates a strange power. And it is this item that makes me think of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Marvel film, The Marvels. So, The Marvels, when I found out they were doing this movie, I, I can't say that I was excited. Uh, because, you know, Marvel... Marvel's gotten a bad rap of things as of late. It seems like every time they do something good, they do something that isn't so good. And it really is the the things that they don't do so well that gets all the press. People tend to forget about all the really good movies that they've done. The Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, another show that we're going to be talking about later this week, uh, Loki, was, was really good. It didn't come without its faults, but but some really good entries into the Marvel Universe. And every time something that it just doesn't live up to people's sometimes way too lofty expectations, uh, those are the things that people focus on. And those are the things that cause articles to be disseminated throughout the internet about how Marvel's on the decline. Uh, you know, when, when you talk about how much money things like Guardians of the Galaxy made and Black Panther Wakanda Forever made, Marvel's fine. They're not hurting. They do need to do a little course correcting because the frequency with which they are putting out substandard or subpar uh, entries into the MCU is becoming greater. But, but they still know how to do some good things. But one of those things that they didn't do so well and I didn't really care that much for was the Captain Marvel movie. I was not a fan of Brie Larson. Brie Larson's a good actress. I just didn't care for her performance in Captain Marvel. It, I don't want to say it felt like she was phoning it in, but Jesus, it just was so stoic and so rigid and so unemotional. I'm like, I, I thought she was a better actor than this. And while the story was interesting enough, it just felt like a big CG fest and I just was not impressed with Captain Marvel. Maybe because Marvel and Disney made this character because they wanted to have a strong female lead, a strong female character, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not belittling that. But at the risk of making this character too powerful, 
this character is overly powerful. And, and I get it. That's kind of how it is in the comics. But uh, you, you've got this character who can do just about anything and can outpower anybody like the version of Superman that, okay, how do you not have this character win every time? And, and when a character wins every time, then there's no stakes to anything you know at least superman has kryptonite so you can you can play that against him but you really don't have that with captain marvel so as a movie as a character i just think it was a flawed thing for marvel and disney to do and put this character at the forefront so when i found out they were doing the marvels that really kind of had me like uh i don't know about this the other thing was miss marvel my wife and I watched about two episodes of Miss Marvel, and we were just really turned off by it because those first two episodes, especially the first episode, it was just so frantic, and there's animation on the screen, and it really felt like a kid show. It felt like something that should be on Nickelodeon. Uh, the The character, Kamala Khan, was so like frantic kid teen gen z energy that i'm like oh god i just i can't watch this <laughs> now granted i ended up finishing it my wife and i finished watching it because we knew i wanted to go see the marvels so i could talk about it on the podcast so i'm like well if i'm gonna watch the marvels i really have to <laughs> to knuckle down and quit being a big baby about it and watch miss marvel and i will say that once you get past that first episode or two the frantic energy comes down and you really get to appreciate iman Vellani's performance as miss marvel and we'll we'll kind of discuss that here uh, a little bit later but i actually ended up liking uh, Miss Marvel. And I, I was really excited to see what they were going to do with this character. How were they going to uh, develop this character? I mean, this is going to be a part of the future of the MCU and, and what they're doing. And the end of the, the last scene in the Marvel suggests that she is going to be a big part of the future of the MCU. I wanted to see where they were going with that with the Marvels. Another character that I really really liked and i i feel bad for the character and i feel bad for the actress because tiana paris plays monica rambeau who really got featured in the wandavision series for disney plus and after what happened to her in that and her gaining powers going through the hex so many times I was really excited to see what they were going to do with this character because one i thought tiana paris does a really good job with the character. I really liked her in WandaVision as Monica Rambeau. And when I found out, okay, she's going to be a part of the Marvels, I was like, okay, cool. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this character in a bigger role. And that's kind of the problem is that the Monica Rambeau character really just felt like a, hey, come along afterthought. Uh, you know, she didn't get her own, you know, Miss Marvel got her own Disney Plus series where it focused solely on Miss Marvel. Captain Marvel got her own movie focusing solely on Captain Marvel. And Monica Rambeau just kind of got a B storyline in somebody else's TV show. And I really feel bad for the for the character and, and the actor. I think Tayana Paris did a really good job in WandaVision. And I really was excited to see 
where this character was was going to go based on the strength of her performance. But it just felt like the character has just been a, a side character, like a sidekick to Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. And I, I was hoping the Marvels would feature her a little more. It's not that she wasn't featured in it. I just don't think the character was used very well in this movie. We didn't really get to know too much more about her. I mean, we got to, to know a little bit more about her, but not enough to make me care about the character anymore. Now, now there's a mid-credit scene that may change that, and we'll talk about that once we get into some spoilers. But for this non-spoiler section, I, I have to say that all in all, I enjoyed the movie. I had a good time watching it. It had some funny moments. It had some, some cute moments. Uh, I loved the involvement of Kamala Khan's family. Zenobia Sharaf as her mother. Mohan Kapoor as her father. Sagar Shaikh, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, as her, her brother. They were probably one of my favorite things about the Miss Marvel TV series. And the fact that they incorporated them into this movie. There's just such a fun energy and a fun family dynamic with these characters and then when you throw in Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan on top of that they just there's like I said a, a great family energy that is really fun to watch and adds a lot of comedy that is sometimes needed I think the problem with this movie is that you spend so much time with these three main characters Captain Marvel Miss Marvel Monica Rambeau who they don't even give her her, her name yet they tinker around with giving her a name but they don't even give her a superhero name and she seems reluctant to have one uh but uh, you spend so much time with these characters but you never really delve into these characters anymore and and speaking of t characters that just were fully unfleshed out was the villain in this darbin who is played by zoe ashton who is tom hiddleston's fiance and we'll be talking about tom hiddleston on thursday's show with loki but she plays this this character darbin who it's from the comics but it's kind of a different version a different take on this character a kree character and i just felt like the character was too derivative of Ronan the Accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy, it felt like a female version of him, even with the same hammer weapon. And as much as Zoe Ashton is a, a good actress, I just don't think there was anything she could do to save this character or make this character any more interesting. And I'll get a little more into that in the spoiler section, but I almost wanted to make this character sympathetic while still having it be the villain, and I think you just needed to go one way or the other. And it's a villain in a comic book series. You gotta double down, make them a villain. So yeah, there there were some bad things with this. I think there was some lack of character development. Uh, the storytelling in this was off. You spent too much time in places that you didn't give a rip about. And you needed to focus on what was going to make this emotional for the audience. You needed to focus on something that was going to make the stakes something that the audience could latch on to as oh no, our heroes have to save the day. Uh, they don't really do that to the end, and they don't even play into the emotionality of it and the stakes of it. So it definitely had some storytelling issues. Uh, I think the direction, in, in some regards, from Naya DaCosta, which I, I'm really, I really enjoy her as a director and a writer. Of course, I loved her in the Candyman requel, reboot sequel that she did. I really enjoyed that. But this, it just really felt like your stock Marvel movie. 
It didn't really feel like a Nia DaCosta movie. And Marvel does that. They've got a history of that, bringing in big directors, known directors, and then just not letting them do what they do best. I mean, there have been a couple exceptions to that rule. I thought Sam Raimi in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, that felt like a Sam Raimi movie. Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder felt like Taika Waititi movies. They felt like his sense of humor one a little more effective than the other. Uh, I think one was very Taika Watiti, and he tried to up Taika Watiti himself, and that just made uh, Thor: Love and Thunder annoying. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's a double-edged sword there. But this didn't really feel like a Nia DaCosta movie. It just felt like your stock and trade Marvel movie. And I think because of that, maybe, maybe because she couldn't really do what she wanted to do. I don't know. I mean, uh, this is all speculation that maybe. Uh, she didn't care about pulling out performances because this lacked some performances from from people that needed to show up for this movie, mainly Brie Larson and Tayana Paris. Yaman Vellani showed up for days. I mean, she was she was giving it all she got in this, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little more too. But but the other two just felt like they were kind of going through the motions, and that's that's on the director to pull performances out. Even though Brie Larson had a little more emotion than this than she did the first Captain Marvel, it still was just kind of a. It felt like a heartless performance. And I don't know whether that's in the acting, the writing, the directing, but it just made this movie feel like, ah, like, why should I care? It doesn't feel like you care. But it did have some good sides to it. It had a lot of really good action scenes. The whole thing with the, the three main characters switching places whenever two of them use their power at the same time was really interesting. It made for a cool training montage. It made for some interesting fight scenes. One where they had no control over what they were doing and the second one where they had a little better idea and had a plan and, and were doing things on purpose and it had more of a strategic fight as opposed to like the happenstance fight earlier in the movie. I thought those fight scenes were really good. And Amon Vellani who just uh, knocked this one out of the park. She did a really good job with the Miss Marvel series, and she was like a breath of fresh air in this movie. Like, every scene, even when she doesn't have any lines, like that scene where they're walking through the place and everyone's singing, and she could see her just kind of off to the side and behind Brie Larson. She's she's dancing, and she's giving it all she's got, and, and was really fun to watch in this. So, like I said, ultimately, it's a fun watch. It's not a great movie. It's not a great story. And, like I said, it had a lot of story issues, character issues that I, I just can't look past. But it definitely is worth checking out. Whether you want to spend the money to go to the movie theater, whether you want to wait till it comes out on streaming, that's on you. But I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to just wait till it came out on Disney Plus or you could get it video on demand or something like that. But those are my thoughts, uh, unspoiled, untainted thoughts on ca on the Marvels, I should say. Uh, but we are going to get into some spoiler territory. So yeah, if you haven't watched it, go check out the Marvels, then come back and listen to my thoughts on it as we get into some spoiler territory. But if you have watched it or you don't care one way or the other, you don't know if you're going to watch it or not, but you're interested to hear what it's about anyway because you don't care about spoilers. Hey, I don't blame you. When it comes to spoilers, it's ZFG for me. But uh, we are going to get into some spoiler territory right now. So one of the first things we see in this movie, and we're, we're kind of thrust into this movie, is that scene at the beginning with 
Uh, our, our main bad guy, the, the Darben character played by Zawi Ashton, who, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're thrust right into what she's doing, have no idea who she is, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but they did little to really build any menace with this character. She's looking for this bracelet, which is the matching bracelet to the one that uh, Kamala Khan wears as Miss Marvel. They set it up in Miss Marvel that there were two of them, but the other one has been lost. And she, Darben, has been looking for it and has found it. She thought there were going to be both of them there, but she only gets the other one, not knowing that Kamala Khan has the, the other. And these these bracelets are Cree tools that helped make the... I don't know if they've ever really terribly explained this whole, like, beehive, honeycomb-looking jump places in the universe. I think I think they just started showing up in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, like I said, never really explained, but they did kind of delve into the, the lore of that, that these bracelets were what helped forge those. But ultimately, the whole motivation for this character is that Captain Marvel in the movie, when she defeated that artificial intelligence that ran the Kree, it sent their planet into a civil war, and their civil war has depleted all their resources, their atmosphere is gone, they have no breathable air, all of their water is gone, and and their son is dying. How their civil war caused their son to die, I don't know. That's one of the plot holes in this that I, I've heard a lot of reviewers and commentators uh, bitching about. And while I want to say it's comics, you gotta have some suspension of disbelief. Like, just, just saying something happened without really giving a logical reason, I, even I can't look past that completely. I just didn't buy that their civil war caused all of this. And, and she's using these jump points in the universe to siphon off other people's air, other, other planets' water, uh, the Earth's sun. And I get that. That's an understandable... Uh, thing for a villain to do in a movie and it is very much a modern day uh, villain thing to do where uh, you know the good guy caused something bad to happen to them they think they're the victim and in order to make their uh, situation right they have to take from other people and it's supposed to make this character complex multifaceted make it a sympathetic villain but it just doesn't because the character's not written very well. Uh, like I said, Zoe Ashton doesn't do a bad job. It's just she doesn't have much in the way of a fully fleshed out or well-written character to act with. The character comes across as very one note. The character comes across with no menace whatsoever. And that is on the director to, to pull that out. Uh, you know, when the director is... One of the writers, uh, I, you know, I like I said, I'm a, I'm a big Naya DaCosta fan, but I really, you know, she needed to do something about that because this character, unless that's what she wanted, this milk toast, not very bad character that's doing bad things for the right reasons, and that's supposed to be enough for me to feel some sort of menace, especially when she is taking resources, the atmosphere, the water from these two other planets that I've never been to as a viewer. And I don't care about as a viewer. And one of them, uh, the little time I've spent there, all they do is sing like it's an effing episode of Transformers from 1986. And I want to get off of this planet. So you've set up two planets that 
that are in trouble, but I, you've never really given me any reason or time to care about them other than the one where everybody sings and that annoyed the bejesus out of me. So right there, the stakes are not set. You've undermined your stakes. Our heroes have to save these planets because it's the right thing to do, but I just don't really care that much. Now, the one planet where they stole the air, it was a scroll like refugee outpost. That probably had one of the best scenes in it and one of the more interesting and complex scenes that I really wish they would have built the movie around that where they're trying to rescue as many of these scroll refugees from this planet as possible and they're all on this uh, ship and Captain Marvel's telling them to fly but uh, Miss Marvel sees a, a bunch of people still running towards the ship and we have to save them and Captain Marvel gives the line about how you can't save everybody. It, essentially you have to sacrifice the few to save the many and they had to leave now to save the people that they already had on the ship or if they stayed and waited everybody was going to die sort of situation. And I think that would have been a brilliant route to go down because you have Miss Marvel who has idolized Captain Marvel for all these years as it was set up in Miss Marvel, the TV series. And then when she finally meets her idol to realize that her idol doesn't save the day all the time or, or when she does save the day, people still die. And that complexity of, you know, you don't meet your heroes sort of situation and the lesson that she might learn, you know, she could have maybe started to have some animosity towards Captain Marvel and, and not being able to understand why, why she couldn't save all those people. She's so powerful. Why couldn't she save everybody? And then put Kamala Khan in a situation at the end of the movie where she has a chance to save the many while letting the few die or, or I don't want to say sacrifice herself because, you know, like I said, she's uh, a, a part of the future of the MCU, but maybe she has to make some sort of sacrifice herself to understand Captain Marvel a little better and that being a superhero isn't all it's cracked up to be and sometimes you have to make the tough choices. That would have been a, a wonderful avenue to go down for a story, but they just... They, they set that up and then they don't do anything with it. And the one thing they do that kind of leans into that a little bit is with Monica Rambeau. Because you've forsaken this character the whole freaking movie and given her so little to do except for just be there. And another issue I had about this movie is the fact that the, the stakes just weren't there because we spent too much time on other planets that I didn't care about. I'd never been there before. The Scroll one, you know, I've spent time with the Scroll, with the other Marvel movies, with Secret Invasion, but I never spent enough time with these scrolls to to gain any sort of attachment to them or or to empathize with them. And and to be quite honest, in the comic books, the scrolls are kind of the bad guys anyway. So I've always been kind of, uh, you know, taught that the scrolls were just as bad as the Kree in the comics and now they're good guys so yeah I just I I don't think it's a good vehicle for 
for developing empathy, especially for some of the old school, you know, Marvel fans, the old school uh, comic book fans. And then you go to this planet where everybody sings when they speak and they make the joke about the prince that Captain Marvel's uh, marriage of convenience with how he he can talk regular because he's bilingual. It was a lame joke that did not land. I I thought it was kind of, for all the good humor that they got out of Kamala Khan's family, that was just a horrible joke that just, oh, it it was kind of cringeworthy. But yeah, I I just didn't want to be on this planet. I wanted to get off this planet when they started doing the song and dance number. It just, it, it wasn't effective for making me give a shit about this planet or what happens to it. And that's where I think they should have just, and I know in this phase of Marvel, they're doing the galactic stories and making this a galactic character with Captain Marvel and her dealings with other planets. And that was a whole point of this is that Darbin was punishing Captain Marvel for what Captain Marvel did to her planet by going to planets Uh, with people that she loves and taking their resources to replace uh, their depleted resources on Hala, the planet of the Kree where Darbin is from. Of course, they had the Skrull planet because the Skrulls, she's been helping the Skrulls. They had the singing planet because she is married in a marriage of convenience with the prince. And then they came to Earth because that is her home planet. They should have just went to Earth from the beginning. We've got all those things. We've got... Uh, while our atmosphere is not perfect, thanks to pollution, uh, it's still, we've got a, an atmosphere that they could suck the air out. Our planet is mostly made of water, not to the percentage of the planet that they went to with all the singing people, but we still have a planet that is mostly water, and we have a sun. And spoiler alert, all the people watching this movie are from planet Earth. So if you play into the emotion of that and this planet ending event not only is our sun going to be taken away but our air and our water and show the effect of that on the people you never really saw the effects of darbin taking the atmosphere from this planet or taking all of the water from that planet or even trying to siphon off the sun from earth you never saw any of that so that just never really felt like there were any stakes or any stakes that affected normal people like you and me who would be on the planet. So I I think you go to Earth, you make Earth your place. This is Captain Marvel's home planet. It's also Monica Rambeau and and Kamala Khan's home planet. So there's stakes for them as well. You show the effects of what is happening as Darbin is, is taking all of our water, all of our air, all of the sun. You show the effects on on the regular people. And that, to me, raises the stakes. You make the character Darbin feel more evil. Uh, don't make it feel like I'm just doing this to restore my own planet. Make it make it vengeful. Make it personal. Make it feel like she's doing this to spite. She could have gone to any other planet, any other uninhabited planet in the galaxy, in the universe. But no, she went to Earth because that is the home planet of Captain Marvel. And that makes this character more of a... A believable villain. It makes it more of an, an effective villain. I think that's a problem I had with our heroes as well. They just didn't feel uh, utilized very well. The Monica Rambeau character felt terribly underutilized. And I don't know if the performance from Teyana Paris was a result of that. Just not being given much to do story-wise. But I felt that character had a lot of potential that was just wasted in this movie. Well, Brie Larson, I think, 
had a little more emotion to show in this movie than she did in the first Captain Marvel, it still wasn't great. She still felt fairly lifeless throughout all this. Like I said, the only saving grace to this movie was the fact that Iman Vellani was in it, and she is just a breath of fresh air in the MCU because... You know, the, her story is great. Her story is a funny story. And I, I wish I could have talked about this. I really wish I would have powered through those first couple episodes of Miss Marvel and, and watched it so I could have done an episode on Miss Marvel because I really, I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. I thought they were really gearing it towards a young audience, a, a Gen Z or even younger audience. And and that's how the beginning of this movie felt. It, it really echoed the beginning of Miss Marvel in with all the animation and the frantic teen kid stuff. And I was like, oh shit, I forgot about how much I hated this in that first episode of Miss Marvel. But much like Miss Marvel, they got away from that really quick. And if I would have got past those first couple episodes of Miss Marvel and really got into them just doing a, an interesting story with interesting characters. Now granted, that, that story did meander a little bit and it delved into a, a lot of things that I just felt were unnecessary. But ultimately towards the end, it, it I, I can't say it had a satisfying ending because there again... It really felt like there was no clear villain in that TV series. But at the end of the day, I really enjoyed it because I enjoyed the family. I enjoyed the Khan family and, and their interactions and their family dynamic is really what I enjoyed about that series. And I was so happy to see that they brought that to this movie. And you got a lot of really good scenes with them and Kamala Khan with the Khan family and Nick Fury. Uh, aboard the Saber space station. But I like Iman Vellani's story, how like she was this huge Avengers fan. Like she was a fangirl. And she did the casting call for Miss Marvel. And they did an in-person test screen. And then they did one over Zoom. And in the Zoom, uh, they saw like all the Avengers posters and things on her walls in her in her bedroom. <laughs> and they knew that she had to be Kamala Khan. And I think that excitement that, you know, a fan getting their biggest wish to be the one of the characters that they, they've idolized and that they've loved and to be a part of a movie franchise that they love, you can feel that excitement in her performance. And I wish some of the other actors in some of these Marvel movies gave their characters that much excitement. Brie Larson could take a page out of Iman Vellani's uh, playbook as to how to uh, how to play a character that is beloved by the fans and should be beloved by the actors and actresses playing them. You don't have to have read comics growing up, but you have to at least draw some sort of connection to who you're playing and, and be excited about playing that character. Now, from what I understand, and, and I've heard... Things here and there mentioned and banded about that uh, Pre Larson's just not happy playing this character to begin with. So, you know, uh, then move on. Uh, then, then let somebody else recast this character. Especially in the MCU, they've never been afraid to recast people. The Hulk's been recast a couple times now. War Machine's been recast. Recast Captain Marvel. Uh, if, if, Brie Larson doesn't like playing this character. Because like I said, she's a good actress. It just doesn't feel like she enjoys playing this character at all. But I really enjoyed Iman Vellani's performance. And like I said, uh, the actors that play her family do, do a really good job. And the stuff that they did on the Saber Space Station was, was quite funny with them. There is the scene with Goose the Cat 
and all of the uh, all of the offspring. It felt like a convenient plot point at the time, where their insides are some sort of like pocket dimension, so they can swallow people. And they go into this pocket dimension and then spit them back out. And they use that as a as a plot device to to get everybody off this space station. It was silly. It was far-fetched. The CG on the cats was not great, but it was funny. I, I, got, a, I got a good chuckle out of it. And as they're playing this scene out, they have Barbara Streisand's version of memory from cats playing in the background. I was the only one in the movie theater laughing my ass off because I, I realized what song was playing. And like, I, I don't know, I went and watched the matinee on a Friday afternoon because I had had the day off from work for my day job. And there's probably like a half a dozen other people in there. And they probably wondered what the hell I was on because I was laughing so hard. But But it was quite a funny scene when you put it in context with the song that they're playing in the background. But I think another one of the saving graces of this movie was, and I, I mentioned this earlier in the unspoiler section, because they had some good action sequences. I thought it was really interesting. And it's nothing that hasn't been done before, but I thought they did this right. Uh, the CG was good. The quick cuts were good. But where they have this plot device set up to where every time two of these three superheroes use their powers, they switch places. Now, I've seen a lot of people talking about, well, I saw somebody use their power and they didn't switch places. Well, it has to be two of the three have to be using their power at the same time and they swap places. So that like first fight scene where they're using their powers and swapping places and it's all kind of haphazard and happenstance and it's just they don't understand what's going on. They're just in the middle of these fights. That was a fun scene to watch because it was just so frantic and chaotic and the surprise of everything for each character in the scene that they found themselves in when their character swapped places with, with another character was, was really funny and quite enjoyable. Then they did that scene where they're training. Uh, that was a little that went a little long for a training montage, but it was still it was kind of cute. But then when they have the big battle at the end where they're where they're doing this on purpose, where they're swapping places and, and fighting as a team was really kind of cool and paid off the frantic nature of that first one. Now we can see what they do with this unique set of circumstances with their powers once they know what they're doing. And, and it all pulled off uh, really nicely. Then, of course, they defeat Darbin unceremoniously and go to heal the crack in this space teleportation thing that uh, they're using to siphon off the sun and they, they need to fix it and they even go out of their way to mention that's an alternate universe on the other side of that hole and I'm like oh well multiverse okay yeah I get it and then they use Monica Rambeau's powers uh, they power her up and we get to see kind of what she looks like in her full powers. Again, still never called her by any of the superhero names she's gone by. Miss Marvel kept wanting to call her Professor Marvel, but uh, I was really hoping that they would finally dub her because she's been Captain Marvel before, at least in the comics. You've already got Captain Marvel, uh, but I wanted them to call her Spectrum or Photon. One of those would have been cool. I think Spectrum probably, because they make a point of her saying that she sees in all the, the Spectrum. So uh, I think Spectrum would probably be the best 
uh, superhero name to go by, but she goes and fixes the crack in the multiverse for for lack of a better term but uh, she gets trapped on the other side essentially sacrificing herself so that our universe doesn't doesn't whatever i I don't know the stakes aren't really ever fully explained maybe our universe would get sucked into their universe it's it's terribly complicated and never really explained very well at least not i mean you got to have a little bit of explanation you just can't do a suspension of disbelief is your only way to explain anything in a movie you just you can't do that but uh, monica rambo gets trapped on the other side in this this alternate universe which was interesting i you know i never took it as that's the last of monica rambo and no one ever saw her again uh because I, i figure this is a multiverse story that we're we're delving into with this phase of marvel and so she'll be back it's just a matter of where is she which leads up to that mid-credit scene but before that uh, i do want to talk about a couple of things i mean this movie really felt like it was just lead up to the the end scene and the mid-credit scene because kamala khan is you know she's invigorated by being on a team we see a cameo from kate bishop played by Haley steinfeld from the hawkeye tv series she's walking into her apartment and it was kind of funny kamala khan doing the nick fury lines from iron man where he's recruiting iron man into the avengers i like the line where she says did you think you were the only uh, kid superhero and kate bishop says i'm 23 that just that kind of got a little chuckle out of me and and a couple people in the theater but it is really kind of a setup for the young avengers which they've been you know they've been tinkering around with this for quite a while because you've had Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. You have the Ironheart character from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ant-Man's daughter. Now Miss Marvel. Uh, You had Scar introduced the Hulk son in She-Hulk. There's a couple other ones that I'm I'm missing out on. But uh, they're finally going to do Young Avengers. Which I think uh, that that could be fun. Whether it's a Disney Plus series or an actual movie. Really kind of looking forward to that. But we get to the mid credit scene. Where we have Monica Rambeau waking up in this hospital bed. And beside her is her mother, Marie Rambeau, played by Lashana Lynch. And it's really cool because she's covered up in a blanket. And and Monica Rambeau wakes up and, Mom, Mom, I missed you. And Maria Rambeau's acting like she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'll get to the other big cameo first, but she takes off her shawl and she's wearing a superhero suit. And you realize that Monica Rambeau is in a another universe. And in this universe, Maria Rambeau is binary. It's funny because she was Captain Marvel in the other universe with the Illuminati and, and Multiverse of Madness. Now she's binary in this. The really cool cameo, though, was Kelsey Grammer as Hank McCoy. Dr. Hank McCoy, Beast. I really thought it was cool how they used some of the score from X-Men Days of Future Past in the score for for this scene. That was it was really kind of cool. But it was an all CG character. It wasn't like a lot of prosthetics like Beast had when Kelsey Grammer played him in like Last Stand Days of Future Past. I know some people griped about it. I didn't mind it. I, I didn't think it was horrible. I think a lot of the CG in this movie got shit on just because it's Marvel and it's it's Disney and it's cool to to shit on their CG, but it wasn't horrible. The cat stuff was horrible. Uh, it wasn't very good. The CG cats and the tentacles coming out of their mouths was not very good, but they're cute. 
they're cats, so we looked past it. But this, I, I didn't think the CG motion capture was was that bad. Maybe I was just geeking out because it was Beast, and you see that they're in Professor X, like the basement level uh, with the labs and stuff at the uh, the mansion, uh, Professor X's school for, for gifted youngsters. I kind of geeked out just like that when I watched just days prior the season finale for Miss Marvel when they mentioned that she has a mutation in her genes, essentially saying that Miss Marvel is a mutant. And they play the just like a little quick sting of the theme song to the the 90s X-Men animated series. And that I, I flipped out. My wife's like, what is the matter with you? I was like, that's it. That's the song. That's from the X-Men cartoon. But that really is the thing everybody's been waiting for. I mean, they're doing all this multiverse stuff and they keep teasing us with it. Multiverse, multiverse. And everybody is waiting for them to introduce the X-Men into the 616 universe of the Marvel uh, MCU, the, the universe that all of our main characters are in. We're waiting for them to use the multiverse to introduce mutants and to introduce the X-Men. And they keep teasing us and never following through with it. So I, I'm hoping we're getting closer and closer. I know they are going to, they're going to do the X-Men. It's just a matter of when, but it's this big, like, years long movies and tv series long cock tease that are like okay get get on with it already tired of playing just the tip let's let's get it on but yeah ultimately i i didn't mind this movie like i said it's not a great movie i i'm not pretending like it's a great movie but it's not a bad movie. I was entertained. There was a lot of things wrong with it. There was a lot of things wrong with the storytelling. There was a lot of things wrong with the character development. But for everything they did wrong, I thought they did some things right. You know, I thought Kamala Khan, played by Iman Vellani, uh, I, I thought she was great as this character, as she was with Miss Marvel, the TV series. And then that made up for uh, a couple uninspired performances. There were some missteps in the storytelling uh, of this the story, but you know, when you have it leading up to an introduction of the Young Avengers and an X Men scene, I can look past some story inconsistencies and some story development and pacing issues. Yeah, there was some lackluster CG with, like I said, the cats, the the flurkin. You know, they just, I, I, they've never, you know, I love the idea. They just never pulled it off very well. And these these CG cats, instead of, yeah, I know her cats is not something anybody wants to do on a on a movie set but you know you can use some real cats at some points i mean they did at, at various points but there are there are scenes where they could have used real cats and they didn't they use cg cats and it just it looks like a cg cat and that doesn't look good but i thought some of the other cg was good uh, i thought some of the other cg was passable i thought the the scene where captain marvel is flying through space and she's got goose on her shoulder was just about as uh, adorable as you can get i thought the fight scenes the choreography and the effects in some of those fight scenes i thought were really good and while some of the humor didn't hit, I thought some of the humor with the Khan family and, and Nick Fury, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who did a fantastic job as he always does, I thought some of that was redeeming as far as, as humor goes, and, and that was enjoyable. So yeah, this wasn't a great movie. This isn't going to save the MCU. This isn't going to save Marvel. But it wasn't horrible. It's probably going to do horrible at the box office. Some of the early numbers I heard, uh, it's not doing very well. 
And and I think part and parcel is, you know, people shit on Marvel before the movie's even fucking out. Whether they got a screener or not, people are just going to badmouth Marvel because it's Disney and nobody likes Disney and it's cool to not like Disney. It's cool to not like Marvel, uh, you know, to shit on them when, you know, like I said, Marvel has a lot of missteps, but they have a lot of really good stuff too. And while they need to, they need to, you know, tighten it up, you know, stop having so many missteps, make the misstep, not the, not the norm, make that the exception. And I'm hoping that, that they do that here in the not too distant future. Kevin Feige really needs to, to start steering this ship and stop letting the ship steer him. I think they need to start focusing on the small stories and not so much on the bigger picture. Because sometimes it feels like they do put the cart before the horse. We have a bigger story we want to tell. So we're going to advance that storyline, but not really pay as much attention or not give as much attention to detail in the small stories that we're telling in these individual movies. And all the focus is on the bigger picture and the, the movies down the road. And like some of these, some of these stories suffer because they just kind of gloss over some of these these smaller stories like this one you know they didn't really care about the stakes oh we'll just have them go here because that'll be a cool set piece and we'll have them go there because that'll be a cool set piece and then we'll have them come to earth because you know we're on earth and people will be invested because you know captain marvel saving lives well no that's that's not how it works that's not how that's not how to get people invested in what you're putting on the screen i just wish they would Pay attention to more of the stories in the movie I'm watching and tie it in with the bigger picture. I'm not saying don't do that, but the the little story, the story in the movie I'm watching right now has got to come first. How it ties into the bigger story and the bigger, you know, however many movie arc that we're going through uh, leading up to a big event, uh, that, that's got to come second. And that's kind of how it felt with this movie. The story in the movie I was watching at that moment felt secondary to the bigger picture of movies down the road. And that's why, like I said, this was an okay movie. Wasn't great. I had fun watching it. I don't care if I ever watch it again, but it was okay. I mean, my wife hasn't seen it, and I know she did want to watch this and couldn't go to the movie theater with me, so I probably am going to have to watch it again. Not, I shouldn't say have to. I will watch it again with her because I think there are a lot of aspects of this movie that she will enjoy, and uh, so so I look forward to at least giving it another chance. That's more than I uh, I give a lot of movies that, that I enjoy but I didn't really care about. So, so I will watch it again with my wife, and maybe maybe some of my opinions will either be doubled down on or maybe I'll soften up on my stance. But uh, but I'll be interested to see what I think of this movie after a second viewing. Under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't give it that because, like I said, it was just an okay movie. So thanks for listening to my thoughts on the Marvels. You can check out more what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page and Instagram. We're always posting about horror, fantasy, and science fiction, as well as what's going on with the podcast, new episodes coming up. Of course, we've got uh, Loki uh, season two, where we'll be talking about that on Thursday's episode. We have a bonus episode. I'm not sure when I'm going to release this, but there's a movie out on Shudder that came out uh, late last week called Birth Rebirth that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, it's it's a different kind of movie, and it's not going to be for everyone, but I'm going to talk about my thoughts on that uh, coming up sometime this week, probably either Wednesday or Friday. We'll drop that episode, a bonus episode of Odd 
Bonds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. So check that out. No matter where you listen to this podcast, what platform you happen to be listening to it on, please like, subscribe, follow it. That way you can stay on top of all the new episodes and the bonus episodes that who knows when they're going to come out. Sometimes they just come out at random, including random curiosities and and other special uh, episodes. But uh, like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that more than you'll ever know. And as always, please share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!